Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Now Peter and those who were with him, James and John, were heavy with sleep. You know what that's like. When you want to stay awake, but you just can't. When your normally weightless eyelids seem to weigh a hundred pounds. Like when you're trying to stay up and watch the ball drop on New Year's Eve. Or pull an all-nighter to finish that assignment that's due tomorrow. But it's no use. The harder you fight it, the heavier they get, and the more tired you become. And you don't even notice yourself drifting off to sleep. Until you wake up and the clock says it's been two hours since the new year began. Or the sun announces the bad news that your assignment is now due. There's panic or disappointment or both. You blew it. You missed it. It's over. So it was for Peter, James, and John. Jesus had chosen them for this special assignment, leaving the other nine at the foot of the mountain they had just climbed with Jesus. Jesus began praying, and the three, well, they began struggling. They wanted to pray with Jesus. He had chosen them specially for this, after all. But the harder they fought off sleep, the sleepier they became. And sometime during this struggle, Jesus was transfigured, changed. The appearance of his face was altered, and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Had they seen some of this before they fell asleep? Well, that's hard to imagine. Drifting off in the middle of that, most likely they fell asleep before this all began. And then they woke up. Sometime later, how long had it been? And Moses and Elijah are leaving And there was panic, or disappointment, or both. They blew it. They missed it. It's over. But what had they even missed? We heard of Moses on Mount Nebo in the Old Testament reading today, getting a glimpse of the promised land. Had they missed that? A vision of heaven and Jesus in his glory there? Or maybe something with Elijah. Elijah had a famous contest with the prophets of the false god Baal on Mount Carmel. 450 of them against just one of him. And yet God had won a stirring victory for Elijah that day. Had they missed something like that? Or what about Moses on Mount Horeb and the burning bush and the holy ground? Or Moses on Mount Sinai, when God came down and spoke with him. 
Oh, so many thoughts must have filled their heads. What had they missed? And there was panic and disappointment. They blew it. They missed it. They're leaving. So wait, Peter calls out. I'll set up three tents. Don't leave. Not yet. Please, stay. But when you fall asleep, the clock keeps ticking and you can't go back. When the sun comes up, your assignment is due. Peter couldn't stop them. But the truth is, they hadn't missed it. Not at all. Because they were going to see something even more glorious than this. The glory Jesus would show them on the mount called Calvary. That's what Moses and Elijah were talking to Jesus about. His departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Where Jesus wouldn't just give a glimpse of the promised land, but where he would win it for them. Where he would defeat more than 450 false prophets where he would atone for the sin of all the world and disarm the hordes of hell. Where it wouldn't be the glory of his divinity lighting up the night, but the glory of his love lighting up the darkness of the sin in our hearts. They didn't miss that. That's now what they were going to see. Which is what Jesus had been telling them, they just didn't understand. Yet. So, next a cloud descends and overshadows them. What would they see now, now that they were fully awake? Well, nothing. Instead, they hear. Which is far more important. Faith comes from hearing, not seeing. And so the cloud descends and the voice of the Father tells them, This is my Son, my Chosen One. Listen to Him. And then they see Jesus alone. Regular Jesus. Normal Jesus. Or is it? Is this... Regular Jesus, normal Jesus, or is Jesus shining and gloriously bright? The regular Jesus, normal Jesus. A pastor friend of mine said the amazing thing isn't that Jesus' glory is shining through that night, but that it isn't at other times. That he keeps it concealed. That's the amazing thing, he said. For imagine if Jesus didn't. If his glory shone through when Judas and his mob showed up to arrest him. Or when Jesus was on trial before Pilate, he started glowing. Or when the soldiers were whipping him and mocking him, and while they were nailing him to the cross, he started dazzling their eyes. How quickly they would have all fled in fear. And there would have been no crucifixion, no atonement, no sacrifice, no forgiveness, 
no resurrection, no hope for us. For us, there would just be panic because of our sins and the punishment and condemnation we deserve because of them. Because heaven, nope, we missed it, we blew it. On the last day, we'd be trying to hide from Jesus. So Jesus tells them to keep silent and tell no one of anything they had seen. He doesn't want to be known and seen as shining Jesus. But as crucified Jesus, bloody Jesus, dead Jesus, our Jesus. The Jesus who came to be with us. The Jesus who came to die for us. The Jesus who came to save us. That's the Jesus Moses and Elijah were talking to and talking about. That's the Jesus that Peter, James, and John, and the other nine, and the church ever since has been talking about. The Jesus we need. The Jesus we need because who is the regular you? The normal you. Well, Who is the regular Peter, the normal Peter? Is it the guy who confessed that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God? Or the guy who sank in the water and denied even knowing Jesus? Who is the regular, the normal Thomas? The one who doubted Jesus' resurrection? Or the one who said, let's go and die with Jesus? And what of all the others who all had their good moments but who also all doubted and questioned and failed. So who is the regular, the normal you? The one who forgives, who does good, who loves, who prays? Or the one who holds a grudge, who doubts, who sins, who fails, who falls asleep. Well, the regular, normal Jesus, the Son of God, Jesus, the God of God, light of light, very God of very God, Jesus, became like unglorious us. So that regular us, normal us, Sinful us, failures us, sinful from birth and adding to that burden every day us, might become like him. Glorious sons of God. And you see it. The glorious you that baptized into Jesus you, shining through with that love and that forgiveness. And that good. Or as one of the other apostles there on the mountain that night would later say. Beloved we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when he appears we shall be like him. Because we shall see him as he is. 
We will see him as he is in his glory. Your eyes are going to fall shut in the sleep of death. But when they open, when Jesus opens them in your resurrection, you will not have missed it. You'll see Jesus along with Moses and Elijah and the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. No panic, just peace. And then John says even more, and we shall be like him, fully and completely sons of God, not our son of Godness shining through once in a while, but we shall be like him. Your sin gone forever. No disappointment. Only holy ground, holy people with your holy God. So maybe there's something for us to learn here about glory. True glory. For when Jesus was all shining and brilliant with Moses and Elijah, at exactly that glorious moment, they weren't talking about that kind of glory. They were talking about Jesus' crucifixion. For you see, regular Jesus is glorious Jesus, is crucified Jesus. It all goes together. And for you too. At those times when our son of Godness shines forth, we shouldn't be talking about how glorious we are and how good we're doing. But about our crucifixion with Jesus and our resurrection with him, our baptism, the source of anything good that is in us. For as we heard today from Hebrews, the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. He gets the honor, not we. And in those times of failure, when our sin gets the best of us, we shouldn't be talking in woe or despair, but about our Lord's crucifixion and the forgiveness he won for us there. For he is the builder of our lives and our salvation. So no matter whether things are glorious and bright or sinful and tough, We listen to Jesus. We listen to his word of forgiveness. We listen to his word of life. We listen. He builds. His word does what it says in you. Forgiveness. Life. And one day, glory. So now, in just three days, not eight days, we begin our journey to the glory of the cross, the season of Lent. We'll sing our goodbye to Alleluia's in the closing hymn today and look forward to shouting it again on Easter. We'll repent of our sin, we'll receive his forgiveness, and we'll marvel at his love. And we'll listen to these words too. This is my body, this is my blood, for the forgiveness of your sins. And we know that it's true. The one who gave himself for you on the cross, now giving himself to you at the altar.
the regular, glorious, crucified Jesus for you. That you be his. And when you stand here before the altar and receive Jesus' body and blood, you know you haven't missed a thing. All that you need, you have in him. And so as Peter said, it really is good that we are here. Here, not at Mount Nebo or Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai or Mount Carmel or Mount Transfiguration or even Mount Calvary. Here at Mount Zion. Here where we join together with Moses and Elijah and the angels and archangels and all the company of heaven. Here where Jesus is. Here where he is not transfigured. You are. In the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Spirit. Amen.